What it do, baby? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, God. Here we go. It's another episode of Tom to Jets right here on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, wherever it is you happen to be listening. Appreciate you doing so. Hope you hit that subscribe button so you get to uh, know when these episodes are coming out. You get notified that way. It's a lot easier for you to uh, check them out instead of uh, having to wait for me to tweet it out. Also, though, you can follow me on that Twitter machine, at Zubeard77. Let me know what you think about not only uh, this game here today, but just in general on this Jets season. I mean, give me your thoughts about this one, though, because, I mean, this is one where we really got to sit here and we got to think about how bad this defense truly, truly is because, I mean... We've seen glimpses. We've seen them really get messed up. But to just be utterly dominated in the fashion that they were today. I mean, in the first quarter. Or wait. Yeah, in the first quarter. I mean, they were just getting walked all over. Throughout the entire first half, they got walked all over. In the third quarter, the Jets were only on offense for just a little bit over a minute. That's pathetic. That's a pathetic job by this defense. And that's kind of the uh, the way this game went. And, I mean, there were some good things. There were some positives on the offensive side of the ball that we saw from Wilson. But I'll get to that in a minute. I got to talk about this defense first because you lose a game here 33-18 to 18 to the Philadelphia Eagles that I think that this Jets team, there's no reason it shouldn't have been a one-possession game. And there really isn't a reason that they shouldn't have won this game. It's uh, it's a little mind-blowing. I mean, well, the reasoning is is that they their defense is pathetic. Their defense is a joke. And their defense honestly doesn't have NFL players on it. And that's an indictment on the GM who has done a great job otherwise. But it's a terrible job to put this caliber of a team out here because this is arguably one of the worst defenses of all time in terms of pure talent, in terms of ability, in terms of how teams are able to just walk all over them. I mean, it's a joke. And I get there are certain guys who are injured, and yeah, Carl Lawson's out. Yeah, Joyner's out. Yeah, May's out. And I get those are pieces. Those are veteran pieces. But how much better do we think this defense would be? How much better do you think this pathetic joke of a defense would be if you had those couple of guys in there? I don't think it's much of a difference because guys are just, I mean, it's it's sad. It's sad. You look at this linebacking crew, and they can't guard anybody in terms of the pass game. You look at these safeties, they can't guard anybody in terms of pass coverage. I mean, Ashton Davis... The guy has speed, and he can make up for a lot of mistakes, but he makes every single mistake that you could possibly make. So he is overly reliant on that speed and overly reliant on him having to uh, catch up to the play. Ashton Davis is not a dude who should be in the NFL. I'm just just being completely honest with you. He's not – he doesn't have the football IQ to be a safety in the NFL, in my opinion. We've seen it time in, time out. Throughout this season, throughout seasons in the past, he's just not that guy. He isn't. You disagree with me? Hit me on the Twitter, but I, I can't imagine too many guys can disagree with me. I mean, when you look at Dallas Goddard 
going out there, starting the game, catching five consecutive passes without a soul, a soul near him. I mean, to the point where the guy was catching the ball, running five, six yards, and then he would get his first little bit of contact, probably after he already had 11 yards on the play. The touchdown that he caught, the second touchdown, where he went untouched into the end zone, essentially. He got hit, I think, right as he crossed the goal line. That is such a joke. That is such a pathetic job by everybody on the defense that you just don't even account for this guy. Like, that's not a lack of communication. That's not a lack of it's not a lack of talent. That's a lack of understanding. That's a lack of even knowing what is going on. That's a lack of awareness, which, I mean, is the ultimate kind of death note to a player's career, to a player's ability on the field, and... You look at C.J. Mosley out there, you look at Quinn and Williams, and you can say you're putting too much on them in terms of the pass coverage, but they have to be better. C.J. Mosley is a guy who's an all-pro level player. He has to be better. I know you got a lot going on him, but you know he's got to play at a higher level in the pass game or at least putting people in better positions because he's the only guy out there that knows how to play in the NFL. He's the only one. And now you're starting to see him get frustrated on the sideline. You're seeing you're seeing him getting frustrated on the field, game in, game out now. This is multiple times he's gotten angry where he's screaming and he's going crazy on the field. And, I mean, you got to start to wonder, what is his commitment level going to be come towards the end of the season? Quincy Williams, he's a guy who we like. He's playing pretty well. As a linebacker, as a guy who can, uh, you know, get into the backfield and make some things happen. Had 13 tackles today. Very productive in terms of the stop. I mean, I wouldn't say stopping the run because they didn't do very much to stop the run. Miles Sanders had 120 yards. But he was around. He'd made a couple of plays. uh, And you like to see that. You like to see a guy be around the ball. You like to see a guy, you know, get in on plays. But. At the end of the day, when he is just running with reckless abandonment and he's completely ignoring the fact that he needs to be aware of where running backs are, of where the tight end is, he needs to be aware of what the quarterback is doing, of the fact that, oh, wait, I might be about to get to the QB, but the running back is right behind me and there's nobody covering him because I'm supposed to be on him. I'm supposed to be watching him not sprinting at the quarterback because I think I have a shot at a sack. I mean, Quincy is just, he's hes just got to be better. He's got to start to learn. He's got to start to become more of a, more of just an overall linebacker instead of a guy who you throw in there to put his ear backs and get after the quarterback and try to stop the run in the backfield. I mean, He's got to be more than that, and if he's not, then he can't be playing middle linebacker. He's got to be more of an outside backer. He's got to be doing more more of something like that because if he can't cover, if he's unaware of situations and what he needs to do, then you got to take him out of those spots. you got to take him out of positions like that because he's killing this team. And, I mean, it's not like, not like you have better options. I mean, we've already touched on C.J., you look at Jared Davis was out there a couple of plays. He was absolutely horrific as well. So it's hard for me to say that anybody in this linebacking crew is uh, is worth anything for a pass coverage. But you got to find something. It's got to change. That can't be something that you go into next year having these same issues. 
And you look at this defense, this is an absolutely horrific defense. I said it before, all-time worst defense, in my opinion, uh, maybe for this Jets team, this Jets organization, and possibly one that, uh, when it's all said and done this year, after you play the Bills one more time in Buffalo, when you get Tom Brady one time, I mean, who knows what we're looking at? Who knows what kind of a season we are talking about for this Jets defense? I mean, it, it can only it can only get worse, and especially when you see the frustration levels of these players. I mean, Gardner Minshew went out there and looked like a superstar today. He had twenty to twenty five, two hundred and forty two yards, two touchdowns, seventy eight point four QBR for whatever the hell that's worth. But he had everything he wanted, and I mean, D backs were just giving it to him. D backs were giving him. Everything, and I get it, Devontae Smith didn't have a big game, and that's great. But Devontae Smith not having a great game, but Dallas Goddard going off for six catches, 105 yards, and two touchdowns. Kenneth Gainwell and Miles Sanders combining for eight catches and 55 yards. That's unacceptable. That's everything they want, and there was nobody near any of those guys any time they caught the ball. And the one time... The couple of times that Devonta Smith did make plays, nobody was close to him, and he was getting whatever he wanted. I mean, they. I get it's bend, don't break. I get this defense is supposed to be built off of that, but these guys have developed a bad habit, or you're putting them in terrible positions. Jeff Ulbrich and Robert Sala. This needs to be put on Robert Sala as well. But they're being put in bad positions, or... They're being, you know, developed into bad habits of sitting way too far off of the ball. I mean, you have guys that on third and 19 are sitting back all the way at the first down marker. You can't be that far back. You can't be playing that far off the ball where you're giving the guy 15 free yards before he even has to make a move on anyone. I mean, that's ridiculous. I get playing the bend, don't break. I get doing all of this, but you need to make sure that when you're playing bend, don't break, you know, you're not giving 99 yards of the field up. You can't give up the entire field on one play and expect to make the play at the goal line and then stop them three more times every single time. And that's what this defense is right now. Bend, don't break. No, this is a defense that is snapping in half every single time that they are doing anything. Anything that offenses want on them, they are getting. This D-line is atrocious. I mean, listen, Quinn and Williams, he's a good player. He has some talent. John Franklin Myers has some talent as a pass rusher. Foley Fatakasi is a big dude. Nice guy. Assume he's great in the locker room. Can play the nose tackle position. But he's a backup. This, this unit, this defensive line is terrible. They get completely moved around. Whatever offensive lines want to do to them, they are able to do. And yes, Quinnen had six tackles today and Foley had five tackles today. But when you look at the end of the day and you see Miles Sanders with 120 yards rushing out there, that's something that you can't be able to sit back and say, oh yeah, well, you know what? They had a pretty good overall day. They looked pretty good. No, they didn't. They were awful. They were terrible. The Eagles had 185 total yards of rushing. You had Kenneth Gainwell go out there, 12 rushes, 54 yards. That's the fourth 
string running back coming into the season, Kenneth Gainwell. I mean, he's moved his way up the charts, definitely, and he's a pretty good player at that, scoring a touchdown today, getting in there. But it's just, it's pathetic. It's truly and utterly pathetic that this defensive line is as bad as they are. I get you lost Carl Lawson, but Carl Lawson was not going to help this defensive line in terms of stopping the run. That wasn't his job. That was the job of these linebackers who are not doing their job either. They're being carried for three, four, five yards on every single tackle that they're making because they're tackling at ankle, uh, you know, height. But this defensive line is getting completely destroyed, and every once in a while they break in and they make a play. But then something happens, either a third down conversion, like we saw in the third and 19 where the guy's not touched or even has anybody near him until he's about three yards from the first down. Or you have a pass interference on a third down, which is undisciplined. And another mark of this defense where you talk about Quincy Williams just running up the field, that's undisciplined. It's undisciplined, undisciplined play. This defensive line plays undisciplined. It's just, it's a terrible, terrible looking defense. And when you have a coach who is supposed to be a defensive mind, a defensive guru, a defensive savant, so to speak, and he's starting to get his thing going, you're seeing, oh, okay, you know what? Dolphins didn't have a great game. You don't win, but they didn't play great on offense. You look, Houston didn't do anything in the second half. You think maybe you could build off of that, and today you come out versus a half-competent offense, and they absolutely shredded you apart. Shredded you apart with a backup quarterback. And that's an absolute joke. An absolute joke. They should be ashamed of themselves in that defensive room. From everybody, from Robert Sala all the way down to whoever the hell is going to be cut off of this defense this week. And I got to say, speaking of people who are going to get cut, we're going to have another kicker in town after this Kessman guy. That guy sucks. Missed two extra points immediately. I mean... Give me a break. Give me a break. Let's have Braden Mann kick off. We don't need Kessman to be the, oh, he kills the kickoffs. He was awful. That guy has to know somebody, somebody in the Jets organization because there is no way that he's a legitimate kicker in the NFL. I mean, there is no way that that guy is being taken seriously by any team in the league. Uh, how the hell did he get on this team? He was terrible. He sucked. He wasn't close on either of his extra point attempts. Uh, I mean, I mean, it was. It's, I don't get it. I, I don't get it. I don't get how they're so bad at talent evaluation. How they are just bringing in bodies for the sake of bringing in bodies right now. Like that's what the secondary is. That's what this entire team is. It's just a bunch of guys who they're just going through and they're going, yeah. Well, it's a rebuild. Well, no. You have to be making smart decisions when you're bringing people in. You don't just bring in bodies because they have pulses and they're warm. Like, you don't need to just bring in guys. You need to look at who they are. You need to look at how they play. And they need to fit your damn system if they're not going to be guys who have spectacular talent. You can't just bring guys in and be so arrogant, so cocky, that you're such a great defensive mind that you're going to turn them into something special overnight or by yourself. And maybe they think, oh, yeah, well, we have years to do this. No, you don't. 
because these guys don't have years of playing. These guys aren't going to be here forever. If you take four years to develop a team and most of the guys who are supposed to be starters are those fourth-year guys, most of them are going to be gone. You're not going to have a lot of them because you're going to have to pay a lot of them. And if they're starting level, you're not going to have them around. They're all going to want to get paid, and you're not going to be able to do that because you're going to have a quarterback who's going to be looking to get paid, and you're going to be having a rest of a team who is going to be looking to get paid. It's a disaster. It's another disaster of a situation. I mean, listen. It's just sad. It really is. It really is. And I'm tired of seeing guys who have no business being in the league, being brought into this team when there are I, I can't imagine that there aren't guys with NFL experience out there or at least or at least guys who have some bit of talent that you can bring into this team. And when I see these terrible kickers coming in here and doing what Kessman did, you know, I start to realize that, wait, maybe it's not that there just isn't talent out there. Maybe it's that the people who are evaluating the talent aren't choosing the right guys. You have to you have to question it. You have to question it. I mean, at least at this point in the year, you have to question it. Especially when you see what's going on with the kicking game. But one part of the game today that did look good, one part that was nice was Zach Wilson in that first half. I mean, the guy, the guy was slinging the ball around. He looked great on those first two touchdown drives, throwing tutties out there. I mean, getting comfortable with Elijah Moore, which is something we all love to see. But the thing that thing that killed us, thing that hurt his day, was when they went to the locker room at halftime. He stayed in the locker room because whoever the hell came out in the second half was not the same guy as the first half. And now we have the question of, can Zach Wilson play a full game? We know he can play a first half now, but can he play a full game? He completed, I believe, 10 of his first 11 passes. He ended the day 23 of 38. So if you completed 10 of your first 11, you end up 23 of 38. That's 13 of 27 the rest of the way. That is not good enough to be an NFL player. That is not good enough to be an NFL starter. The way that he started, that's everything that you wanted to see out of Zach. He killed it. You know, and I said 23 or 38, 226 yards, two touchdowns, one pick, 38.1 QBR, whatever the hell that's worth. I don't really care about QBR because I saw some great things out of Zach Wilson today. But in the second half, when he was trying to force himself to win the game, he was making awful decisions once again. He was not being as quick and decisive as he was in the first half, which is something that we wanted to see out of him and he was doing and I was very excited about but as the game went wrong, he's veered away from that. He stopped being so decisive. He stopped getting the ball out quick. And he started making these awful decisions, awful plays. And that's what happens. You end up sitting there at the end of the game with an awful performance or a mediocre performance or a performance that you feel isn't truly representative of what it should have been, especially based on the start. And the team doesn't put up a point in the second half. That's what this offense is. This offense is predictable once you figure it out. Or they're absolutely atrocious to start the game. 
and then they just start to do things in the second half when teams are sitting off of them. I like LaFleur. I'm starting to understand his system. I think that it can work in this league. I think that it can work with this team for sure. I uh, I think it can work with Zach as well. I mean, he's starting to pick it up. You're seeing it. It's just it's got to click for an entire game. You want to see it click for an entire game before the end of the season. And, I mean, I'm saying the end of the season, but honestly that Tampa game and that Buffalo game, I'm not putting a ton of stock into those being great performances for Zach, just based on the fact that both of those teams are going to be fighting for playoff positioning. I mean, the Bills are going to be fighting for a division with the, I mean, the Pats. God damn, they're back in the mix. Oh, God. But whatever. I don't even want to talk about New England anymore. The Bills are going to be fighting. The Bucks are going to be fighting. So I can't imagine Zach's going to have any good days there. Plus, it's going to be cold. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, man. So you got about three more games that you can really make something happen in. If you're Zach Wilson, if you're LaFleur, you got to make sure that you have a full game either next week versus the Saints, which is going to be tough, the following week at Miami, which is going to be tough, or at home versus Jacksonville. You need to maybe build up to that Jacksonville game and make sure that Zach is ready at that point to just absolutely smash the ground running versus Trevor Lawrence and make Trevor, you know, show off a little bit so that we can feel good, so we can feel nice about having a rookie quarterback who might be the guy of the future. But uh, I will tell you one thing. If Zach Wilson is able to figure it out, if he is able to, you know, steady the ship and Put, get, put together a couple of performances down the stretch here. I mean, he's really going to have something special with this connection with Elijah Moore. I mean, targeted the guy 12 times today. A little a little bit uh, a lot for what he ended up pulling in. I mean, he only ended up having six catches. But a lot of those targets were Wilson throwing the ball away or, you know, just uh, not great throws sometimes. But... Elijah Moore ends the day, six catches, 77 yards, ran at one time for nine yards as well. And I think that running part of his game, that's something LaFleur has got to continue to use, continue to incorporate into the offense, because that's something that's going to help just unlock this team, make this team a lot better, make him a lot better as a player, and uh, open things up for Zach Wilson as well in general. So hopefully we start to continue to see those things out of Elijah Moore because he's showing you why people thought he was special coming out of college. You heard the you heard the story about him if you were watching a game where he was roommates with A.J. Brown, the receiver for uh, the Tennessee Titans. They were both roommates at Ole Miss, and you know A.J. Brown was going through some rough things, some depression, some uh, you know mental health struggles, and he was having some you know. Tough times, and he said that Elijah Moore was uh, part of the reason why he was able to uh, get out of it. You know, just being able to talk to Elijah, being able to you know speak to him, and just just have somebody to unapologetically listen to his thoughts. And when you see when you hear that about Elijah Moore, you see the way that he's playing, you understand he's a guy that you want to have in this organization going forward. And he's a good guy. He's a good team man. He's a good man in general. So you got to keep him around. I, I love Elijah Moore here. He's developing into a really, really something special. I hope that, I mean, I hope that this this uh, partnership continues to continues to grow. 
because it really looks great. And I'm just going to say this again. Elijah Moore, to me, is going to be a dude who can resemble Steve Smith in a couple of years. But I'll let y'all, you know, continue to banter on that. Hit me on the Twitter machine at Zoobeard77. Let me know what you're thinking on that topic. And speaking of the Twitter machine, let me go and check out some of the comments from you guys for today's game. Let's start off with Bruce Simon. Always hope for the best for Jets, but at this moment, not worth my time to pay a lot of attention. Bruce, you are exactly right, brother, man. And that's why you got the Tom the Jets podcast, bro. That's why you got to hit that subscribe button so you can listen right here instead of having to watch those atrocious games because I do that for you so that you don't have to waste your Sunday doing that. I waste mine. (laughs) Then I come here and I tell you about it. So please, guys, uh, you know, hit that subscribe so you don't have to uh, watch the entire Jet game. You can just listen to me break it down afterwards or just bitch and moan about it. Either or. <laughs> Nikki Moltisanti. What's up, Nick? Here we go. There's nothing you can say. People need to lose their jobs. That's all they understand. This D coordinator should be gone. Even with this roster, Gardner Minshew can't be blowing you out. They didn't punt once. I think they did punt once, Nikki, to be fair. <laughs> but, dude, it was pathetic. It was a pathetic performance. It was an embarrassing performance to have Gardner Minshew do that to you. I mean, Gardner freaking Minshew, bro. I, I, I can't even deal with that guy. Whatever. Whatever. But, um, yeah, you're Jeff Ulbrich. You need to be embarrassed. If you're this defense, you need to be embarrassed. If you're Robert Sala, if you're Joe Douglas and you put this team together, you need to be embarrassed because this defense is embarrassing. There are barely any NFL players on it. I mean, there are barely any people that fit your system on it. So I don't know how the hell you put these guys here. What did you just grab dudes? You said, oh, okay, you're good. You can can walk. You can can breathe. All right, you're going to play for us right now. There there was, like, no rhyme or reason. These guys don't fit the system. They're just here. These are just bodies. So whatever. I mean, it, it, there there does need to be a loss of jobs, though. And I think when it's all said and done, what you're going to see is you're going to see Jeff Ulbrich take a walk, and you'll probably see Robert Sala take over the defensive coordinator job. I would just assume that, but... I mean, there there's a chance that doesn't happen. I think second year, Salah might, you know, or they might say, hey, Rob, you're a year in. You don't need to just be being a head coach. You're a defensive guy. This is a disaster last season. We hired you because of how good you are defensively. Go out there and go be the D.C. this year and make this thing turn around. I wouldn't be shocked if that happened. Um, whether that works or not, we're going to have to see because – yeah, it's a, it's a little scary. It's a little bit scary what it, where this defense is right now. And honestly, there is no light at the end of the tunnel, in my opinion. But we'll see. We'll, we have to keep watching. Action Videos NYC says they better get some linebackers and defensive linemen in the draft. Uh, I'm with you, bro. We definitely need to... Uh, <laughs> I mean... Yeah, the, the secondary junk, so you're probably not going to see too much drafting there. Maybe a safety, but 
I would be looking and bringing a linebacker and absolutely a linebacker that can play in the pass game, can cover tight ends, can cover guys out of the backfield because you don't have a guy like that on this roster right now. And defensive line-wise, you're going to need to bring in a defensive tackle. You're going to need to find yourself a pass rusher. I mean, I get it. Carl Lawson's going to be back. You have Franklin Myers, but you still need to get somebody else on this group because the more you have, the better it is. The more you can rotate, which is what Robert Sala ultimately wants to do. And in order for this defense to be great, like like his 49ers defense was, they had four first-round picks on that defensive line. You're going to need to continue to build and continue to bring in talent. And when you get to a level like that, then maybe we can see maybe we can see that Robert solid defense. Oh God. Oh my gosh. Kayvon Thibodeau, here we come. Oh God, baby. Yeah, we'll see. We'll talk about the draft a little bit on Wednesday though. So uh hit that subscribe for sure and make sure that you uh tune in then. We'll get right back to the Twitter though. Steven Simons, they can't beat the Eagles. Yo. They never have. I don't know if they ever will. I don't know if they ever will. We'll have to see again in, uh, what, three, four years? Jeez, man. Just absolutely pathetic. Chuckles. <laughs> Chuckles. If the Lions can win, we can win. LOL. I don't know. Nah, I don't know, man. I don't think we can. The Lions can win. I mean, it, we, we do have more wins than them, though, bro. So we do have to give these guys some credit, although they are pathetic and the defense is a joke. I mean... They did what they got to do out there though today. Shout out to the Lions. You got to give a. You got to give every dog their due. Peacock joins in. He says we gotta. Oh God, <laughs> we gotta somehow tie in what our defense did last week, and what our offense in the first half did today together for a full four quarters. I mean, bro, if we were able to do that, we would be a freaking phenomenal team. And, I mean, that's the goal. But the unfortunate thing is you look at this defense and you look at how this team is kind of developing as a whole, and they don't have a lot of guys that you necessarily look at as pieces for the future. And that's a problem when you're when you're uh, rebuilding. You want to have guys that you look at and say, okay, he's young, but he's going to be here for a while. Okay, he's a guy who we can have in that secondary. He's a guy who we can have playing on that defensive line. He's a guy who's going to be in that, you know, running back room. And there's a couple of dudes, but overall, there's not enough. Not enough on this team for you to feel comfortable about where this defense, where this entire team is going to be in three years. It's going to be a long haul to get to being a respectable roster, but you got to start somewhere and you got to start making smart decisions on the on the bench players you have on the practice squad players you have the depth you bring in you have to make sure they all fit you have to make sure they are all guys that have the talent to play in this league it doesn't matter what your first unit can do because there's a really good chance that somebody at least one of them is going to get hurt during the season so you have to have to have quality depth and this Jets roster was not put together with any type of consideration for depth. And you're seeing it pay off now because you have a lot of guys who don't even deserve to be getting game checks on Sundays. They deserve, or they don't deserve to, but they should have other 
They should have jobs like me and you do. They should have jobs like a regular, you know, regular people, lay people, as we say, right? Non-NFL professional athletes. But they should not be getting paid any type of money from any type of NFL team on a Sunday. It's an absolute joke. Absolute joke, some of these guys that this defense has out there. But one group that's developed, and I got to give credit to before I get into three takeaways real quick, is the offensive line. They're continuing to grow, continuing to look nice. Vera Tucker is a stud. Duvernay Tardif is definitely going to be a guy who's here again next year and hopefully for the future. I mean, you see it with the with Connor McGovern. Those two guys next to him are making Connor McGovern look like a stud once again and giving him consistency. And you know what? You might see Connor McGovern return because in between these two guys, he looks pretty nice. And if you can get the right pair at those tackles positions now, you have your offensive line. And George Fant is a solid player. I'm not sure if he's the finished product at that left tackle spot. I don't think he's the guy who necessarily takes you to that next level on this offensive line, but he is definitely a guy who has a place on this team and has proven to you that at least in the backup capacity, he is worth a damn in this league. This offensive line deserves a lot of credit. This offensive line coach deserves a lot of credit. This offensive coordinator, LaFleur, deserves a lot of credit. I mean, what they have done, these players deserve a lot of credit. They've shown pride. They've shown an ability to get things done. Joe Douglas, you deserve some credit, too, here. I bashed you earlier. I've bashed you throughout the episode. But you deserve credit for bringing in Duvernay Tardif, for drafting Vera Tucker, bringing in a guy like George Fant, Morgan Moses. Quality team, quality offensive line. And honestly, you deserve a little bit of credit for that, more than you're getting, because this group has done a great job of getting together. Um, but now let's get over to those three takeaways so you guys can get on with your day and stop hearing about the goddamn Jets. So first takeaway of the game. Oh, this is a tough one for me to say, but there is probably about three or four guys who you could consider starters on this defense. Like, and I don't mean starters. Eh, well, I do mean starters for the Jets going forward. But in general, there's about three or four guys on this defense who are NFL starters, excluding C.J. Mosley. And I'm going to say in the future plans for this team, maybe Quincy Williams is around. Maybe a guy like Ashton Davis is here just because he has a rookie contract. But the only guys who might start, who are I would guarantee will be starting next year are going to be Bryce Hall, who will probably be the second corner in a perfect world, and Quinnen Williams and John Franklin Myers. Other than that, possibly Michael Carter is in that secondary. But if you're fixing this defense, if you're making it better, I'm not sure if Michael Carter's out there. I mean, Bryce Hall is probably out there because, again, rookie contract and a guy who looks pretty good and can develop into that number two corner on a good defense. But this team, they don't have very much talent. They don't have very much anything in in that defensive unit at all right now. Number two. Number two, Elijah Moore is special, baby. The guy has something special. He is an absolute star out there. I love watching him play. I'm comparing him to Steve Smith. I'm giving him all the love, baby. And I think if this team can find him a guy like Travis Kelsey or 
you know, just a big body who can go up and catch a ball to take a little bit of that off of him so that they can go to that guy when they need the five yards, when they need the seven yards, you know, when they need that nice little first down across the middle and just let Elijah be a playmaker on the outside and in terms of the running game as well. I think when that happens, you're going to see Elijah Moore become a superstar in this league. And you're going to see this offense hit a different level because he is truly, truly, truly an incredible player. And I am excited to continue to watch him grow. And hopefully, hopefully it's with Zach Wilson as his quarterback because it looks like Zach wants to get him the ball and it looks like that chemistry is developing. And that's what you want to see between a first and a second round pick. That's what you do, man. That's why you draft them first and second. You want those to be your cornerstones. And right now, today, that was the first time all year that those guys looked like they could be a cornerstone for this offense, along with Elijah Vera Tucker as well. So nice little first uh, first and second round of this draft. Give Joe Douglas his due where it's due. Final takeaway, number three. I'm interested to see, because you look at the post game. You look at how players are starting to react. I mean, even Bryce Hall is talking about they weren't prepared. Are these guys going to quit? And especially, are these veterans going to quit on Robert Sala and on this team this season? If that happens, if that happens, those last two games I pointed to, that Buccaneers game and that Buffalo Bills game, are going to be atrocities. They are going to be like stuff you've never seen before. I mean, but we have seen it before because it's happened this year. But they're going to be 50-point games. They're going to be 50 burgers. They're going to be teeth kicked in. It's going to be an absolute, I mean, slobber knocker, but we're not going to be competing in it. Hopefully, though, hopefully these guys stick around. They make some things happen, and they look for the greater future. But if I was them, I wouldn't feel great either. But I got to get out of here, guys. I'm tired of talking about this team. Gives me agita. But, hey, we have fun. That's why we're fans. They give us good moments. They give us the bad. It's a lot of bad with this Jets team, though. And, hey, I appreciate you guys for sticking with me through it all. We're going to get through it, baby. I'll talk to you on Wednesday. We'll talk about a little draft then, a little little positivity, a little future. Yay. (laughs) I'll talk to you guys then. Think about Elijah Moore in the meantime. He's great. Time for me to jet on out. Until next time, I will bid you adieu. Peace.